空空。That's a place for you. Hong Kong Football Podcast. This is it, coming to you from Kowloon, Hong Kong. In a week in which South China learned the dangers of underestimating Rangers, a hat trick from Southern's Wellington D'Souza helped condemn HKFC to a 7-0 bruiser, and Lugo's goal with the final attack kept Eastern's title defence on track. We're going to be talking about all of the weekend's action, plus looking ahead to next week's Senior Shield action, and talking about all of the goings on for Hong Kong players in China League One. My name, as always, is James Legg, and joining me, as always, is Tobias Dusa. Toby, how are you? I'm great. And what's new? Yeah, the big news this week was that Ricardo Rambo, the head coach of South China, was sacked, or to be more precise, he was actually demoted to an assistant coach, a consulting position, and this happened right after, or one day after the um, South China Rangers game, which ended in a very painful two-four defeat. For South China, South China is now looking for a new coach, and in the meanwhile, no one knows. No one knows. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, if we next next thing we hear, you'll be the first to know.、Um, yeah, so bad week for Rambo,、um, which actually started very badly on Monday night when they lost、uh, South China four two to Rangers. I mean, this is a game they really ought to be winning. I mean, it started really well. Nikola Komarzec、um, scored four minutes in, but then Rangers equalised pretty quickly. To make it one all, half time, Komarzec had scored again, and they were two one up. But then goals in the seventy first, ninetieth, and ninety fifth minutes from Rangers made it four two to them. It was an excellent game, and、um, really end to end, really competitive. Rangers just looked totally different to when I've seen them earlier in the season. They started without their supposed star player Jordi, who's on loan from Kitchi, and he wasn't in the squad, so we assume he was he was injured, and. They just look totally different. Rather than trying to launch it up to him, they were playing very patient. Lots of moves involving lots of short passes,、um, and it was just really impressive to watch. They looked very comfortable on the ball. The number thirteen,、uh, Hoi Kar Lok, was kind of up top with、um, Wang Chun Hin. Those two were really kind of hustling and harrying up at the up at the front, and they just looked really good. South China, of course, with the exception of Nikola Komarzec, is. Unbelievable goal record carries on. That's、um, eight goals in seven competitive matches now for South China. I think for everyone, this, this result is just a big surprise. No one really expected that South China would lose in, in, against Rangers in the first place, and then really being beaten up two four is is just a real real shocker.、Um, but how how you think like this happened? I mean, it, it's not really、um, conceivable for for me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they started. They started South China without the normal centre back Chan Wei Ho, and Boyan Malasic was there.、Um, it was it was a home game, so who should have been the captain? Should have been Chan Wei Ho.、Oh, so Chan Wei Ho would have been <laughs> captain、um, under this slightly bizarre arrangement、um, that they have. And but yeah, so there was no Chan. It was Boyan Malasic alongside alongside、uh, Leung Nok Hang,、uh, number thirty-three,、um, and they just. Did not look as comfortable as they would normally, and、um, they—I mean—they still had、um, Andy Russell playing. I think again quite well in that kind of defensive midfield role that he started playing. But Rangers were having a lot more luck up top than really you would have expected. And then in the second half, because of the number of foreign players who were already on the pitch for South China, Boyan Malasic, who of course is kind of you know at this point is in charge of the defence,、um, has to go off. 
for Ryan Griffiths and the, the attacking forward. This was in the 78th minute. So this is a two all. So South China going for the game. They take off their best centre back for a forward, and it looked mystifying at the time. Now, of course, it makes sense in that they had to because they they wanted to get all as many attacking players as they could on the pitch. But what you ended up with was a backline that was just completely in disarray. I mean, I, Andy Russell didn't go back to centre-back, as you might have expected. And I can't remember who did step inside, but it just didn't look like an organised back line. And then you throw into the mix the fact that both goalies for both teams actually have very poor games. Chiang Man Phai for um, South China is still erratic. Like, he made an absolutely wonderful save um, from a free kick at the start of the second half. And he gets, I love it, whenever he makes a good save, he gets really excited and it's good to see someone who cares this much. But then he'll just be like completely in the wrong position or he'll just miss a really obvious save, um, a really easy save. And I mean, and, and that was the case also for the Rangers goalie, um, Chiu Yu Ming. Really should have done better for both of Komazec's goals. One, he just kind of finds himself in no man's land and gets lobbed with a header. Two, he was just bizarrely positioned next to his post, even though the ball was near the middle of the goal. Um, and then the shots just kind of got past him quite easy because he was in the wrong place. So, by way of answer to your question, that's kind of how it happened, really. I, I think just defensively, neither team shone defensively, but I think uh, Rangers do have two centre-backs um, in Nando um, and in um, Tiu Chung Kit. Actually, uh, Clayton didn't, didn't start this game. And... Although there was an element of chaos in their defending, there was also an element of quality, um, which was lacking towards the end for South China. Yeah, what was really impressive for me is that, first you already mentioned, Rangers at this game, they only had two foreigners in the entire squad. Mm. Uh, that was uh, Nando and the Korean, uh, number seven. Ah, Ji Kyung Hun. Ji Kyung Hun. So, um, like Clayton and Quentin Landress, the other striker and Chorley, they, they were not even you know on the bench mm. for this game. And also, all the four goals, they were scored by local Hong Kong players, which I, I'm not sure when it happened the last time in the Hong Kong Premier League. Now, one thing you mentioned at the beginning is that the last goal was a bit controversial. Like, what, what exactly happened? Yeah, it wasn't. When, when at this point, it was 3-2 um, and deep into extra time, South China really didn't. They were attacking, but they really didn't look like they were going to get anything from the game. And then Rangers just kind of went off on the break. But at one point, the ball did go out of play. <laughs> um, I oh, I can't remember who it was, but over on the on the left wing, um, he he was kind of cornered by a South China player, and he jinxes his way past. But in so doing, I'm I was pretty sure the ball went out of play, um, and the replay that they showed in the stadium suggested that as well. But such I didn't deserve anything from this game and that wasn't what lost them the game you know that was just the icing on the cake um, so I, although there might be a sense of injustice it was really not very impactful now there's one more ironic thing to mention here um, that the last goal was caught by Lai Yu Chang mm -hmm. and he also scored the first goal I think for the Rangers in, mm -hmm. in the 12th minute now he is actually on loan from South China he was a regular starter for South China last season and he was now put on loan for one year to Rangers, and so this is like a, a very interesting revenge. Wow, you know what? I, I didn't know that, and I um, I wondered why I looked so happy. 
Um, that's yeah. Well, I thought he had a really good game, um, and obviously two goals, both nicely taken. Um, so you can't really do much more than that. So we just witnessed the first twist in the title race with South China dropping points, leaving both Kitchi and Eastern in a better position. Now. On Saturday, Kichi took on Pegasus, another game that I haven't been to, but I know that you have been in Hong Kong Stadium. So, how did it go? Yeah, it was my annual visit to the Hong Kong Stadium. Um, me and 1,110 people, well, actually, I guess I was one of them, so 1,109 people in a stadium that holds 40,000. Um, it was quite echoey. <laughs> it was a good game, actually, really good game. Um, so, Kichi won 3 1. Uh, Fernando opened the scoring with one of the best goals actually we've seen a lot of great goals so far this season I think quite a marked uptick in the number of like real wonder goals that we're seeing I, I don't know if, what that has to do with really but um, Fernando added his name to the list um, with a free kick from kind of it's, if you haven't seen it go make sure you go and watch it it's out wide basically by the corner flag everyone's lined up as though he's going to whip it in for a cross but Fernando we're quite sure deliberately aims for the for the for the top left hand corner so the far corner whips it in beautifully and and it, it, that's where it ends up um so that was one nil and then absolute unbelievable scenes in the 22nd minute when um, Danny Cancela the left back scored a goal um he was kind of put through by Sandro he was much more attacking in this game actually Danny I think I don't know if they Sense the weakness um, down the right-hand side for Pegasus um, because he was much more attacking than usual and he looked quite stunned to have scored the goal. He does, I think in six seasons at Kitchi, I think that's his fourth or something goal. Um, so, big day for him. It was 2-1 at half-time. Zhao Amir, one of the league's top scorers, scored a penalty after a quite silly handball. Fernando, who had earlier scored the, the goal, he was in the wall for a free kick and he just throws his arms up and... Um, gets a penalty given for handball but then in the 52nd minute um, Sandro made it 3-1 um, so it was a pretty straightforward win I think for Kitchi. I actually think it was the best I've seen them play um, this season um, it was the most open and the most fluid I've, se I've seen from them um, lots of crisp forward passing rather than constant back and f backwards and sideways that you often get um, I mean, I think that has something to do with the nature of the opponent. This season, they've either played the, the weaker teams who just sit back and mean that, you know, you can just take the ball so far up the pitch and then you get blocked. Or they were playing against the stronger teams where, you um, you know, you've kind of got to be a little bit more cautious. This is the first time, I think, where they were playing a team somewhere in the middle who aren't just going to park the bus, but who also aren't as much of a threat. So there was a lot more... Um, a lot more instinct in their play, a lot more kind of getting between the lines, um, nice, like I say, nice crisp forward passing. So what about Pegasus? Did they have a chance at all? Did they put up a fight? I thought they did. I I, I thought the odds were always stacked against them, of course, there's a difference in quality, but they still carried on with the, the game plan that we've seen from them so far, ever since, especially since the arrival of their Australian striker, Travis Major. Again, I thought he looked good. Um, it's a tough job. Like he's very much playing as the as the centre forward, and he is the fulcrum of anything that they're gonna do. And they are looking f looking to launch it forward um, onto his chest or onto his head, so that other people can play off him. Um, which is just a thankless task, especially when you're playing against a better team 
um, you know those the people who play in that position can just get so isolated um, and it is a tough it's a tough gig um, and I think he did it quite well they didn't create much in this game um, but they definitely certainly weren't sitting back and looking for um, looking just to, to limit the damage um, and I do think that that game plan will work for them over the course of the season so what do you think does it mean for Kitschy? my favourite for the title as you discussed you know it changes every week um, and I think I would I'm still kind of they're in between Eastern and Kitschy, I don't really know. But what it, one of the things that is interesting is that they're still they're sticking with that uh, the forward line that you know they've got Fernando on the left, Lamzigin on the right, with Sandro up top, and then you have um Jared Lum just behind that. And that's interesting for a couple of reasons. I mean it's interesting for one, which is that a team who's starting eleven for the past few years has been dominated by foreign non-Hong Kong players is actually playing starting only three foreign players and a few naturalized ones. <laughs> yeah, and, and lots of naturalized Hong Kongers and and foreign-born Hong Kongers such as uh, Jared Lom or um, Lam Di Gin. But it's interesting in the you know on the bench you've got um, for a start you've got Rufino who was the main striker at the last half of the second half of last season and. I still don't understand the situation with Lanty Ginn. Like he seems to have that right forward position sewn up at the moment, although he's really not doing that much to justify it, in my opinion. I don't know if the coach Chu has some idea that he's going to get better and it's just going to take him a little while to get back to full fitness after a few seasons of injury problems, or if he's just too expensive to drop, or what. I think if you were looking just on performances, then Rufino would be getting a place and you would be accommodating him. But, I mean, like I say, Kichi is still playing well and they're still winning, so it's not really as though anyone's going to be putting pressure on the coach anytime soon. But turning our attention to the bottom half of the league, um, Southern uh, played Hong Kong Football Club at the weekend. Um, now, <laughs> before this game, first of all, I predicted... Perhaps just to sow a little bit of controversy, um, the Hong Kong Football Club would win. And I also said, if I remember rightly, I don't know where Southern's goals are going to come from. <laughs> now, in case you don't know, listeners, Southern won 7-0. Um, so the team who were going to struggle for goals, apparently, um, won 7-0. And um, this was at the Aberdeen Sports Ground. 239 people turned up to watch this, which is, of course, disappointing to see. I'm not going to list all the goal scorers, <laughs> but it was one of them, uh, a trick from Wellington to Souza, and Walter Vaz, the the new centre forward this season, he got his first goal as well. Now, what we discussed before was that Southern had had a really poor start compared to what we expected from them. Um, do you think this is the kickstart that they needed? As we said, it was an important game for them because they before this weekend they were at the bottom of the table. And you really needed to get these points to, to get things going. And playing against HKFC, as I try to to say every week, is is a game that um, most of the other professional teams in the league have to see as a three-pointer. They, they need to get these points. If they, if they drop them, uh, then they might be in serious troubles. And Southern District was apparently very impressive. Unfortunately, the game was not broadcast and, and I was not among the 239 people in Aberdeen. But seven goals against HKFC is still very impressive. Um, 
so far. For example, Kitschi scored two goals against them away, and a few other teams struggled to score against them. So I think 7-0 is a very big result for Salvan, and maybe from now on it's it's going upwards. Sad to see. Yeah, well, the next game is again against HKFC <laughs> in the Senior Shield. We'll talk more about that in the next half of the show. Okay, so turning our attention to the Eastern game, and they won 2-1 away at Yoon Long. A 96-minute goal, winning it from Michel Lugo, um, after goals from James McKee for Eastern, and Diego Higuno for Yoon Long. Eastern lined up more attacking than usual, and um, James McKee started, which doesn't normally happen, um, as did Giovanni De Silva, um, Manuel Blader, uh, and the, four, uh, the attacking midfielder Miroslav Saric. Lugo, who scored the goal later, came off the bench. But let's start with his goal. It was quite controversial, I believe. Um, I haven't seen it, but it was a free kick which Yunlong thought shouldn't have been given, basically. And they were very unhappy with the situation, as you could see that they got three additional yellow cards after the final whistle. After the game had finished, so what, they were berating the ref or something? We assume. Must be, we assume, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Now, this game again, it wasn't broadcast or anything. So if you were not at the stadium, you had to follow it via live ticker. And I feel that, at least like me, I, I already felt quite nervous when I saw like, okay, it's not the 92nd, 93rd minute. And it really looked like Yun Long would pull off the draw. And I think at that time, really people started expecting that Eastern will, will drop these points. Now, the interesting thing is we also talked with Josh Mitchell about um, about this last weekend when he chokingly said that one of his friends asked him well, how long that these games go in Hong Kong, right? 96 minutes and so on. Um, because uh, last week Eastern conceded a goal very, very late into the game, in the 96 minute actually. So this time they scored the match winner that late into the game. So it, it's quite, you know, it's again a bit, bit ironic the whole situation. And But this time, you know, for the, for the better end for, for Eastern. Now, what I think is impressive about this is, of course, you know, if they wouldn't have scored, we would we would already talk about Eastern might have a tougher situation now in the title race. But this again, it reminds me very much of Eastern last season, where they are able, they're just capable of pulling off this very thin, or like pulling off these wins in like last minute situations on very thin margins. And this might be, you know, the way how they again approach the title, not being so focused on dominant play like Kitschy, like keeping Paul possession and so on, but really being the most efficient team in the league. For me, this has already become a kind of Eastern philosophy, if you ask me. Eastern philosophy. I, think <laughs> yeah. I had a friend who studied that at university. <laughs> I am, um, yeah, and I agree. I think the last few seasons they've been. How to put it, Mourinho-esque, uh, it, <laughs> very much focused on on the final outcome um, and on the most efficient way of making sure that at the end of the game you've got more goals than the other team, which I have a lot of respect for. Um, it works well. They were really good when they didn't win the league, and Kitchi did two seasons ago. They're really good again uh, last year when they did win the league, and yeah, I agree. Um, speaking of um, when we spoke to Josh Mitchell, we do have an interview still online with him and it came out on Friday he's the Eastern centre-back who joined this year played all over he's played in uh, China he's played in the A-League 
he played in Romania and now he's in Hong Kong. So let's listen to a clip from Hong Kong football podcast meets Josh Mitchell. Ya Pong Fai, um, yeah. the, the Hong Kong goalie. Um, has he been good to, to play with? I mean, he, yeah, I mean, he's, a, he's an exceptional player. I only learned the other I thought he was a little older because you never know with goalkeepers, you know, and he's, he's very young for a goalkeeper already. And you can see he has a lot, of, a lot of skill, a lot of talent. He works very hard. All the goalkeepers do at our club. They, they train the house down. They're always, even today, it's pouring down rain. They're diving. They're training, you know, 20, 30 minutes longer than the, the field players. They're, I think he's, he's someone that will only get better and better and better and will have a, a very long career for, for Hong Kong and hopefully Eastern. He's got a lot, a lot of talent, you know, for, for a goalkeeper. Mm. He's, in training, he's saving everything. Yeah. And you can see that in the games as well, so. But he's also known to be like quite loud on the pitch, right? Yeah, yeah, I can hear him in the games a lot and he, he talks a lot, he's, he's got very good English, um, which is, I guess, necessary for a goalkeeper here. So yeah, it's, he's, uh, it's a comfortable feeling having him, him behind you mm. for sure. Cool, if you like the sound of that, listen to the, the full podcast that's still up there, SoundCloud, iTunes, you know where to find it. Okay, so moving on to our last game, um, Tai Po getting a 2-0 win against RNF. Two goals from Lucas De Silva, and one a penalty in the first half, and one not a penalty in the second half. Um, what happened in this game? Tell me about it. So what I've been established already in the podcast is that I'm a supporter of Tai Po, but I have to admit that this result is actually quite flattering for them. I, I still think that it was a deserved victory after all, scoring two goals away to R&F, but for a, a, a big part of the game, Typo didn't look that they want to do much for it, and R&F had actually quite a bit of part um, to play. Um, but again, like what R&F is missing right now is just uh, efficiency in front of the goal, and just missing goal scorers. Now, what was quite interesting is the penalty in the first half that was given to Taipo, which was a bit unfortunate for R&F. So what happened is there was a long pass from, from a midfield of, of a Taipo player into the box. And Lucas Silva, the Taipo striker, went for it. But the ball was just like bouncing off on the ground and then, you know, bouncing off like really high. And the R&F goalkeeper tried to fist it away. But he missed the ball and landed on Lucas Silva and just took him down. And it, not, it was not really sure what will happen, but the referee immediately pointed at the, at the penalty spot. And so it was a bit unfortunate. I haven't really seen a similar penalty for this because it, was still, it could have still been argued that, that it was also a, a goalkeeper foul. Mm. But it, it was hard to say. The ball was already quite far away from the situation. But yeah, the other goalkeeper, Xing Yu, was booked for that. But, he, but then Lucas Silva converted the penalty. So all in all, I would say it was an important win for Taipo. And it doesn't even look so bad now on the table for them. And maybe that's you know what, what we could talk about now. Yeah, I mean, Taipo, that leaves them bang in the middle of the league on, at sixth. Um, it leaves RNF second bottom um, on joint, jointly on three points with... Um, HKFC, although they've played two games fewer than HKFC. But talking at the top of the league, um, Kichi is still there, although they've played six games and Sachana and Eastern have only played five. But Kichi on 16, Eastern on 13 with a game in hand on Kichi. And Pegasus in third. 
And to look at the scoring tables, um, Nikola Komazec, quite unsurprisingly, with his six goals in five Premier League games so far, he's yet to leave the pitch without scoring a goal. Followed by Zhao Amir on five of um, Hong Kong Pegasus, and then HKFC's Michael Hampshire still there on four goals. Okay, so last week we took a look at China League One and the Hong Kong players who were involved in the promotion fight there. That happened at the weekend. We will discuss it after this. The Hong Kong Football Podcast is out every Wednesday. You can get it from iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Okay, so China League One. We talked last week about players like Festus Bayes, Jean-Jacques Lama, um, Ita Perica, who were all involved in that league. Men, some of those players had a big weekend in which they were hoping to be promoted to the Chinese Super League. Who were the winners? Yeah, absolutely. It was a very, very exciting last round in the China League One. That's the second tier of Chinese football. And as you said, there were three teams in particular involved in the title race. This was Guizhou Zhizheng, Qingdao Huanghai, and Tianjin Chuanjian. And all of these have Hong Kong players. Now, I don't want to you know, repeat too much what we already discussed last week when we had uh, Jamie McElroy on the podcast, who gave us a brilliant overview about all the performances of Hong Kong players in China League One. Yeah, that's right. If you if you didn't hear it then and you want to know more about how those players have been getting on this season, um, do go back to, to last week's edition and, and give that interview a listen. But coming back to the last round, so all these three teams were on equal points, 56 points each, but the head-to-head results gave Guizhou Zhizheng and Tianjin Chuanjin a kind of advantage. So if, if they would win, they would anyway get promoted, leaving Qingdao Huanghai out of the promotion then. And this is exactly what happened. So Guizhou Zhizheng went to Xinjiang Tianjin, that's the team of Ita Barica. Um, so that's the Brazilian-born Hong Kong player who's done really well since he joined the Hong Kong team a year ago. Yeah, absolutely. And this win for Guizhou means that Festus Base and also Aoyang Yu Chung might have a chance next year to play in the Chinese Super League. Now Festus Base was a regular at Guizhou, Aoyang less so. I think he was actually deregistered after a few weeks uh, being injured. So it's yet to see if Guizhou will keep him. Now all these games in the last round were played at the same time, same date. And in the other game, Tianxin Chuanxian, who were actually considered to be title favorites because they invested a lot of money and really put a lot of resources into getting into the Chinese Super League. And they have a very famous manager. They do have a very famous manager, Fabio Cannavaro. Um, World Cup-winning centre-back for Italy. And and who had not such a successful spell with Guangzhou Evergrande. Not not a long time ago, right? Um, but anyway, so he, he managed the promotion with Tianjin Chuanjian. Um, now, Tianjin also have a Hong Kong player, Jean-Jacques Kilama, who, as we discussed already quite a few times, hasn't really played much for the last few months. So Fabio Canarao, who is a you know legendary centre-back, doesn't really count on 
Kilama to fill this position in his team. And so it's yet to see if Kilama will play in the Chinese Super League. I'm, I'm not too sure about it right now. So in this last game, Tianjin beat Major Hacker 3-0 to secure promotion. Major Hacker, by the way, the team of Li Chi Ho, the Hong Kong left back, who previously played for Rangers before transferring to a Major, who at that time were just freshly promoted to the China League One. And Major Hacker is also the team where Yuan Ching Kuang is assistant coach. Yuan used to be Eastern head coach before Chen Yunting took over then in mid-season last year. Okay, and that leaves Qingdao. Qingdao is a team of Gottfried Karikari, the, who plays as a regular in the Hong Kong national team. He's as a left-sided forward. Exactly. Um, and although they won the, the game as well against Dalian, it didn't mean that they could get promoted because of the uh, worst head-to-head results against Guizhou and Tianjin. So they will remain in the China League One. Okay, so the upshot is that Festus Bay is going to the China Super League and as a regular for his team, we can expect he will be a regular for them next year, maybe, unless they kind of go and buy someone unbelievably expensive and Brazilian. Um, that's got to be good news um, for Hong Kong football in terms of exposure, in terms of, well, he's not, I was about to say in terms of, you know, Festus Bay is improving over time, but he's not a young man, is he? I mean, how old is he? 36? Allegedly 36. Allegedly 36. So, um, you know, he's, and he's a brilliant player. I mean, he's probably in the top three players for Hong Kong. So good for him, um, reaching the kind of pinnacle of his career quite late on. But another kind of upshot from this was Kilama in celebrating his team's um, promotion to the CSL in Tianjin was that during the lap of honor he unveiled the Hong Kong flag and that was kind of seized on by localists in Hong Kong you know the kind of people who tweet angrily about Hong Kong independence now let's be frank waving a Hong Kong flag in China isn't actually that controversial I mean it's it's just a flag of a city um, and I don't think many people in China would read too much into it um, but what he did write on his little kind of post when he sent a picture was for my country, which is rather more controversial because to refer to Hong Kong as a country, well, it's not how Beijing would refer to it. So he got himself in the news for that. Do we think he meant anything mischievous by it? To be honest, I don't think so. I think he, he just expressed what he felt at the moment, but I don't think there was any political uh, motive behind it. He wouldn't be that you know, naive to do that. I think he has a very good deal right now at Tianjin. There's no reason for him to just jeopardize this. So I think it was just a lot of interpretation from from local um, people into into this post. But there is one Hong Kong player in China who might be commiserating a relegation rather than celebrating a promotion, and he is he is Jack Sealy. Jack Sealy, the right back who used to play for South China. He's a Hong Kong national team regular, and he plays for Changzhou Yatai in the northeast of China. There are two rounds remaining in the Chinese Super League, uh, which are played this week. So it will be today, tonight, on Wednesday. The 29th round and then the final round will be on Sunday. And things don't look good for Sealy's team. So they are now second from the bottom and in the Chinese Super League, two teams will go down. And they have not very good cards right now. Second from the bottom, just two points separated from 
Shizhuang, who are at the very bottom of the league, but there's still like a small chance if they could um, surpass Hangzhou, for example, who are just one point ahead of them right now. Well, all the best, all the best to the Hong Kong's representative in the CSL, Jack Seeley, um, and his team. Although I guess he won't be starting the game because he doesn't usually. Um, but keep an eye out for that. Back to Hong Kong business. The Senior Shield returns this week. We'll talk about it very soon. Stay with us. Okay, so the Senior Shield is back this weekend. It's the quarterfinal stage. I know this will please you, Toby, our resident Senior Shield fan. Yes, Senior Shield is always very exciting. Also, it is the oldest cup in Asia, actually. Um, this season will be the 115th time that they will play the Senior Shield, 1-1-5. So that's pretty amazing, I would say. And Senior Shield is also quite special because it is the first cup that will be decided every season. So you could say it's more or less a winter title because the final will be played in January. And it is known that smaller teams have a good chance to pull off a miracle in this tournament. So I'm, yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, these, I'm not the biggest fan of it for two reasons, which may not apply anymore, actually. My first reason was that the final has always been played at the Hong Kong Stadium, and I just don't like watching football matches there because it's just way too big. And it's in Causeway Bay. Um, <laughs> the second reason is there are just too many tournaments in Hong Kong, and it 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 kind of got my inadvertent, my general anger at like fixture congestion and like pointless trophies, um, was perhaps inaccurately aimed at the Senior Shield. So. Both of those have kind of been remedied now because one, we believe the final is going to be played at the Mong Kok Stadium, which is the proper venue for any big game in Hong Kong. Um, and also, we the Sapling Cup has been pared down a little bit this year, so it's less annoying. And the League Cup is, is gone. So actually, all of the reasons I dislike the Senior Shield don't really apply anymore. So maybe I can get excited. Maybe this is the year when I actually give a give a stuff about what happens in the Senior Shield. <laughs> and you should. Yeah, and, and, and therefore I will begin with an open mind um, on Friday when Kichi play Pegasus, um, a team who they've already they've just beaten 3-1 in the league. Um, I mean, I, I guess we assume they're going to do the same again. Kichi are going to win this game. It's at the Mong Kok Stadium, which is their home ground. And I mean, the, these tournaments, if anyone should do well in this, it is actually Kichi because they have by far the deepest squad. Um I mean, I think you could, if you look at the team that they played on Saturday, I think you could feel the team entirely from players who didn't start that game and they'll probably still win most games in the Premier League. Um, they do have a very strong and deep squad. But do you think that they will do that? So this is like what I'm wondering. Um, it's a quarterfinal, a one-leg quarterfinal, and you can easily lose it if you change your you know, squad or tactics for this um, as, as we could see at the beginning of the season Kichi tried this out at the community cup where they changed some key players and then lost against Eastern 3-1 so I really like I'm, I'm really interested to see 
how kids will approach it. If they want to play it, let's say, safe and bring in the squad of the league, because you could still say in Hong Kong that there's not, you know, there are not too many games, so players are not maybe you know, tired out as much as maybe in other leagues in, in the world. Um, because it's not a because it's actually not an additional fixture in the week but it's you know alternatively to the the league and this is actually Kitchi's bye week next week in the league so they don't have a league game for about 10 days right but so how do you think they approach it do you think they really give the chance to other players my point was more general my point was about <laughs> cup competitions that they should do well in I mean I wasn't talking specifically about this game I think that, like the reasons you've mentioned like the fact that they actually don't have a game for a while it's not like they need to rest players um, but you know when you think about the players who aren't starting I mean let's just let's just look at their bench the other day you've got Alex Akande who is their top scorer for the season you've got Lam Wai who is probably one of their best players in certain games although not all um, you've got Rufino who was playing as their main striker at the back end of last season and I think probably still has a good claim to do that this season so I think it might be a way of giving them a run out to like keep up like the levels of game time I mean it's also a bit of a mystery what's happened to Lee Ngai Hoi um, he seems to have been displaced by the arrival of Kim Bong Jin at centre back um, who I you know he's not done nothing wrong um, so far but Maybe when you've got you know a young defender who shows real potential, it might be worth trying to give him a run out in more top level games. But yeah, it, it's I guess we'll find out on Friday what they do. Yeah, just like a little bit of trivia um, about this. The last time that Kichi won the Senior Shield dates back to the season 2005-2006, so it's ten years from now. And if you remember in the season. Uh, 2014-15 when Kichi won the treble with the FA Cup the league and the league cup the league cup in this season they actually lost to Eastern in the Senior Shield final 3-2 it was a very good game Kilama should have been sent off though <laughs> I'm still fuming about that he pulled down Jordi Jordi was through on goal about to score in the form of his life and Kilama just pulls him back he was the last man sorry you were saying no, that, that, that's all I wanted to say. So I think that Kichi could also see it as a tournament that they really want to win because they, they haven't won it for a long time. In total, in the entire history of 115 senior shields, they won it five times. South China won like 70 or something. South China won it 31 times. Oh, just 31? Come on, South China. Sort it out. Eastern 10 times. Including the last two. And HKFC also five times, you know? Mm. So it's time for Kishi to, to make it six. Or maybe it's time for HKFC to reclaim the stranglehold on the Senior Shield. True. But yeah, so I think it is, you know, it's an important cup and um, it's good to see it back at Mongkok Stadium. Um, the interesting thing here is indeed that the last time Kichi won, the final was in Mongkok Stadium as well. Ah, okay. Well, maybe, maybe it's all in the stars for Kichi. They if they were to beat Pegasus, would play the winner of of South China versus Taipao, which will happen the next day on Saturday the 29th of October at also at the Mongkok Stadium. Taipao have also won this trophy. They did. Uh, once. 2012. In 2012, not that long ago. And this is where all my hopes <laughs> rest in because, um, as I said, it, it's a trophy 
where miracles can happen in that sense and where the, the smaller teams might have a chance to um, pull off a giant killing. Well, look, I mean, South China have just lost to Rangers in the league. I think if Rangers can beat them, then Taipo probably can as well. Exactly. And it is a knockout tournament, so if a team can keep a draw over 90 minutes, they get into an extra time and then maybe a penalty shootout and then anything can happen. Mm. Do you know what I do think will definitely happen in the South China Taipo game? No, don't tell me. Don't tell me. I have no <laughs> idea. I have no idea. <laughs> I think it's almost certain that Nikola Komazic will score. Um, after that, it's Eastern versus uh, BC Glory Sky. Um, this one's a Ching Yi, not Mong Kok. Um, so you can watch that match with a sea view. BC Glory Sky didn't play at the weekend, so they're fresh and ready to go into match action. Eastern, who've won the last two Senior Shields, hoping to make it three in a row. Um, the winners of this game will play against the winners of the next day's game, which also happens at the Ching Yi Sports Ground and is between another two teams who played at the weekend, Southern and Hong Kong Football Club. Um, hopefully for Hong Kong Football Club, they can do better than losing 7-0. I mean, do you think there's an advantage in this? Do you think they can go immediately and look at the video and say, here's where it went wrong. Let's keep an eye on this player. Let's not find ourselves in this position with this guy and they can remedy it? Or do you think Southern can say, oh, well, look, we found all the weaknesses, let's just go and do it again. Especially now that they've got this kind of boost in confidence, um, seven goals, lots of forwards and strikers who've got their first goals of the season this weekend. I think it could go either way. I think the danger is more on Salvan taking it too easily after his 7-0 win that they maybe don't take HKFC serious enough. And for HKFC, I believe that knockout tournaments again are an advantage because they could really just focus on parking the bus for 90 minutes and trying to draw the game into extra time uh, this is also what I would expect if they really play a very very conservative defensive strategy without having any you know attacking ambitions it is worth putting out the not in this not in the game the 7-0 that we're talking about but you know, the games they have shown, you know, they have got two good centre-backs, they do defend stoutly, um, and they've got a great goalie as well, um, Inissi Mahalo, um, who, who's capable of, um, you know, quite heroic performances. Um, so, I'm still reluctant to write them off. You know, I, I don't you know, I don't think any team losing 7-0 is an aberration. Like, it's not reflective of the difference between these two teams. Um, because, as we've discussed, you know, Kichi only got two against HKFC. Um, Taipo only only won two one, so you know let's let's see what happens, eh? Um, but have you figured out that where the Salvan goals might come from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I still think they're struggling for goals. There's no confidence up front, man. <laughs> only seven. I don't, that doesn't convince me. Okay, so that's that's the week coming. One final thing to mention, listeners, is that there are actually league games next week. We just we just don't have time to discuss them. Um, quite weirdly, um, they are uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all at night, apart from the Saturday game, um, which is very inconsiderate to people who are recording weekly podcasts. Um, we have no idea how we're going to cover them or when we're going to mention them, but, I mean, it's basically, it's all happened because of the EAFF tournament, which Hong Kong are playing in the weekend after that so we totally understand why the league has to do this um, but we just don't have time to look at these in any great depth so that's your lot for this week um, please 
if you have anything to tell us or you have a massive disagreement with what we've been saying or you want to tell us how good the podcast is feel free to get in touch it is podcast at offside.hk that is podcast at offside.hk and we'd love to hear from you questions comments whatever and until then enjoy the senior shield take care speak to you next week bye 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 Hong Kong, we like Hong Kong, that's a place for you.